listening to Daily Turismo Radio. Here's your host, editor and chief of DailyTurismo.com, Vince, and co-founder, Chris. Hello and welcome to the Daily Turismo Radio Show, broadcasting from scenic Gardena, California. And Gardena, actually, it, it's not a Spanish word, as commonly assumed. It's not? It's, it's actually the, a Native American word for fish stick. Oh. Little, little known fact. Uh, we have a fantastic show for you today. Um, we've got a special guest star in the studio. Uh, we'll have our technology corner. We'll do 10-second car reviews. Again. Uh, <laughs> we always do those. We, yes, but, it, but it's, it's better today. Oh, somehow it's better right. than... Right. It's new. It's our normal better. crap. Okay. Um, <laughs> we'll have some questions from the audience. We'll do a final lap. It's, it's a really, really good show. But first... Let me introduce you some of the, the, the peanut gallery here in the studio with me today. Um, first, I've got co-host Seaflow, uh, who surfed over here on a longboard today. Yep. <laughs> and then next is producer Ben. What's up? Uh, hi, Seaflow. Um, you don't have to respond when I say that. Okay. <laughs> it just seems, it seems appropriate. Uh, next is producer Ben, who today he's working on his sock tan. Mm. You are so it's, polite, Vince, with that. I'm just tr- trying to be a trying to be a nice uh, host, hosty. The 500 watt Vince, lights hi. in the studio, or right. Hi, Vince. <laughs> <laughs> hi, Ben. Uh, so, um, who's our finally, special guest? We've got a guy um, joining us from uh, Japan via Skype. His name is Nathan, and he is a Rubio's fanatic, a f- lover of '57 Chevys. And all-around great guy. Uh, Nathan, welcome to the show. Hey, konnichiwa. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. I like to already, we're getting straight into the Japanese. Um, if Chris and I start to, start to you know, uh, ask for translations, you'll, uh, you'll understand. Nathan doesn't actually speak Japanese, so that's okay. <laughs> I don't know. You just said something in Japanese to uh, us. Um, Nathan, first question. Um, what is it like living in a Buddhist temple in Japan? Um. It's it's interesting. Um, so I, I don't permanently live in a Buddhist temple, but I have been living here for the last couple of months uh, because my wife is pregnant with uh, baby number two, and she gets bad morning sickness, so she doesn't uh, not really able to drive here where she she works uh, here at the temple. They also have a preschool, um, so we've been staying here for the last couple of months, and it's um, it's interesting. It's um, it, the house has a cemetery surrounding three sides. Yeah, so when you say looking Japanese temple, when you say temple, like you know, it sort of brings this conjures up to us, like you know, idols on the inside, and you know, people saying om and incense burning. Yeah. Well, sure, some goats being sacrificed. Yeah. What, what is what does it really mean? Because you know, to us, like we, we have no idea. I've never been to a, a, a Buddhist temple in Japan. So, what are we looking yeah, at? So it's um they don't really have like regular hold regular religious services here it's it's not like a weekly thing like a a christian church they mainly only have ceremonies on like special buddhist holidays or if um they do a lot of mainly funerals and then also like memorial services for um so many days like 49 days and one year and three years or seven years after somebody dies so it's a lot of funerals um but it's not kind of everyday chanting or like like you might might be picturing with a bunch of monks. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, um, that's uh, it's it sounds it sounds like fun to me. It sounds exotic. It sounds fun. Um, but you know what sounds even more fun to me is is driving on the the wrong side of the road. 
you, you gotta tell me what was that like the first time you you, you yeah, got in the yeah. car so that that part it's a little bit tricky at first and also the first time going back to the u.s after learning to drive on the the left side of the road is kind of tricky um i for like the first two weeks i was just super conscious about it like that's all i was thinking about i couldn't listen to the radio or anything <laughs> i just had to focus Wait, okay when i make like this a... turn i'm going to turn into the left lane <laughs> and I, I only really screwed up uh, re- re- maybe only once driving on the wrong side of the road and it was real early in the morning i had gone to 7-eleven to pick something up and was driving drove there on the left side but then started going home they, on the right side they have 7-elevens in japan <laughs> They do, yeah, on almost every them? street corner. Do they call them 7-Eleven? They do call them 7-Elevens mostly, but they, they're owned by some company that's like 7 and I Holdings. So a lot of the signs say 7 and I Holdings, but everyone calls them 7-Elevens. <laughs> I call it 7 and I Holdings. <laughs> People are like, what are you talking about? <laughs> that's what the sign says, right? <laughs> so, so when you're driving on the left side of the road in Japan, Nathan, personally, what do you drive over there what what are what cars are yeah, in your my, stable my daily driver is a 1998 suzuki alto works oh nice we, which we is featured, a, a k car we, we featured one of those on, on daily turismo in the very recent past we found you one did. in the I usa mine's mine's a little bit newer than that one i think that one's maybe uh early 90s late 80s edition but you're talking turbocharged manual transmission right uh mine is, is turbocharged unfortunately it's an automatic transmission Mm. Um, I wouldn't have chosen that, but actually my father-in-law bought this car for me. I, I went out car shopping with him when I first got here and we looked at some different cars at, at, at car lots. And I said, well, that's a cool looking car. And, and he's like, yeah, it's turbocharged. Um, and so anyway, he, he was like, he's kind of like Vince, like he doesn't like to pay a lot for a car. <laughs> so he, he searches through this big book. Uh, you may have heard of it like goo. It's uh, but, uh, yes, but here it's, it's a website, website, but yep. also they have a book. He, he wasn't too computer savvy, so he'd net, walk around with net. these two-inch phone book thick magazines with cars. He would buy cars from different parts of Japan, and he could get them for really cheap. So he picked this car up, I think, for 2500 bucks. And, and that's only because we don't have a Daily Turismo um, Japan extension site yet. Right. Yes, we're, we're working on yet. that. You could open that for us. If, I, I could, <laughs> yeah, I could be your affiliate. Here. Yeah. <laughs> hosted out of a buddhist temple so what's what's it like to buy a car in japan is there is are there any differences between uh purchasing a used car there like in the 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 formalities or ceremonies Um, or you know i so we we have two cars here Uh, my wife's car we actually just bought from a family friend and so that was quite easy Mm. we just uh handed him the money and he handed us the the paperwork um and the alto works actually like I said, my wife's dad bought this car for me, and he just showed up with it one day. So, so, <laughs> so I don't, don't know. know. What he did. I don't know exactly, exactly what was involved with okay. that. But I, I think, I think it's pretty, pretty much the same in the U.S. It's, now, it's just all done in Japanese, so now, I can't understand now, it. Now, Nathan, um, I, I first off, I, I want to say condolences. I understand that your your father-in-law did pass away, uh, a, a while ago, um, but uh, he was a, 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 a true car guy, from what I understand. Yeah, he was. Thanks. Yeah, he, he passed away unfortunately just over a year ago but um he was a a real car guy um although he 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 had to kind of do it uh secretly because uh my wife's mom didn't didn't want uh, him wasting a lot of money on cars but um yeah he he ended up i didn't know how many cars he had i knew he had a lot 
Um, but after he passed away, they found out he had 17 cars. Wow. now did he have these cars like uh, hidden all over the country or or where do you keep because i'd love to have 17 cars that my wife didn't know about but you know we could learn a lot of things from him yeah yeah so he had a he has a friend here in town that has a used car lot and so he kept a lot of them there Uh. and he was kind of kind of like vince kind of a little bit of a wheeler dealer where he'd buy cars drive them put them up for sale you know, it's funny because most cause, of them wouldn't really sell. They just kind of sit there with for sale signs. <laughs> Vince knows about that. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny because I have a friend who owns a used car lot, and his, his name is Chris. He's sitting right across from me. <laughs> <laughs> Except it's not a, it's not most a lot. Of, most of the it's cars parked on the streets yeah. in, in Torrance, oh, Chris owns. Yeah, I just move uh, them on street sweeping day. It's not but, that hard. But but your father-in-law, yeah, yeah. like uh, seventeen cars, is impressive. Yes. So. Yes. And, and, and he hid them from his, his wife, right? So Vince can learn a lot from yeah, that, you, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mostly. I, I think I think she kind of knew he had some cars, but I don't think anybody really knew exactly how many he had. So I, I was quite impressed when I what, heard that figure. Now, are we, are we talking about a bunch of K cars, or is this like, you know, buses? What, what was his... What was his uh, I think he. I think he only had one K car that I knew of, and that, that one was actually one that they use here at the preschool. Um, so I did know about that car. Um, most of them, he was actually a big BMW guy. So uh, I think, um, I would guess probably at least 10 of them were BMWs. Nice. Wow. Um, <clears throat> Although most of them were kind of import import cars, and so they um, didn't have right-hand steering wheel. They had left-hand steering wheel, now, is that which legal makes them less desirable. Is that Japan. legal to drive in Japan on, with a, a left-hand drive car? It's it's legal, um, but but the BMW cars that you buy new in Japan will have a right hand steering wheel. Right. Um, so anything that's kind of imported from Europe or, or U.S. is obviously you know going to have a left hand steering wheel, and it's it's it reduces the value a little bit. So in other words, you can get them for a discount, which is which is great for a car guy, right? Yeah. 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 And and you could then export them to to the United States or Canada. You could, you could. That's, that's I'm not saying that's going to happen with your cars, Nathan. No, we'll, we'll we'll talk later, <laughs> honey. I'm not buying the cars. Don't worry. Yeah, it's great because Vince's wife actually commented on the website about this. Oh, so I'm just going to harp on this every time that that she's on to him now. <laughs> she listened to the podcast and threatened to 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 look for all the keys that she could find in the house, like random keys, and try to put them in the in the doors of junkers found around the neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so my, uh, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm permanent, uh, probation from car purchases, uh, d- due That's to okay. the sob. I can, I can buy all the cars from, uh, from Nathan's father-in-law. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, I don't know. So I can he, buy he, all like, 17 of them. I, we're pretty sure Chris drugs his wife because <laughs> she just kind of like agrees <laughs> to all these like crazy she things. She just nods and says, okay. Yep. Yeah. I no. don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's magical. So Nathan, what are you, what are you going to drive when you get back to the U.S.? Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure. I was thinking about maybe a, a Buick Roadmaster. Oh, that's a fine choice <laughs> in automobiles. <laughs> It'll seat eight. I would. I would rec- recommend a Volvo 240 as well. They're both yeah, based have, on the I'm 57 have a Chevy platform. Four, so I need a, a sensible family car, and I, I thought maybe a Roadmaster would fit that bill. You know, th- and that's pretty much the exact opposite of a. Uh, Suzuki uh, Alto. Alto works. Yeah, I mean that's like you can't but, get yeah, more polar. But, I, I could probably fit three three Alta works in the back of that thing. Yes. <laughs> Both of them were based on the 57 Chevy platform, though. So, you know, that, you'll, that's true. you'll feel right at home. 
So yep, um, they, they both got a '57 Chevy chassis underneath. That's right. For 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 our, for our listeners who uh, who don't understand what we're talking about, um, you don't have to explain. No, 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 no. I it's it's important to explain that that that. To Nathan, um, the '57 Chevy—that that's like a—it's a pinnacle of automotive success. No, and it's just that everything any, is based any on any classic car is a '57 Chevy. Is that is that true? Yeah, that's pretty much the yeah. case. <laughs> so you'll walk, you'll walk up. Nathan will walk up to someone who owns a '64 Pontiac GTO, and he'll go, "That's a really nice '57 Chevy." And the owner will say, "This is a '64 GTO," and he'll say, "Well," and then what? You'll say what, Nathan? Yeah, so it, this kind of was a joke with my dad actually, because my dad, you know, grew up in this era. He knew all the old cars. Yeah. And and I'd I'd always say, oh, dad, there's a '57 Chevy. He's like, oh, that's a '58 Oldsmobile. So it it was kind of funny, and so I just kind of continued that. And then you'd say, well, yeah, '58 Oldsmobile was a really good year for '57 Chevys, right? Yeah, that was. <laughs> yeah, that's true. There's a lot. There's a lot of uh, horses that have been beaten to death by by Nathan over the years. Um, and 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 and, sp- and speaking of speaking of horses, Nathan, um, what uh, what has been your most interesting car you've ever owned, or your favorite car you've uh, ever owned? My most interesting or favorite? Car. Yeah, probably probably my Jeep, um, <clears throat> which I've had. My, my Jeep wasn't uh, wasn't my first car. It was actually my brother's first car, and we bought a '76 Jeep CJ5. Uh, when my brother was in high school, we actually bought it when he was 15. So before he had his license, and the idea is that we were gonna, you know, fully rebuild this Jeep, and I was gonna teach my brother something about mechanics, uh, kind of get him interested in cars. Um, it didn't really work out that way. He was really more interested in golfing than working on the car. So I pretty much built the Jeep. <laughs> That's a noble <laughs> pursuit, though. <laughs> He he drove it all through high school and college, but after that, uh, I kind of claimed it and took it and just made it my off-roader. So I swapped uh, swapped a five liter engine into it. Actually, that I got uh, as a donor engine from uh, Vince's dad's Mark Seven. Oh, that's oh yeah, right. that old Lincoln, yeah. The old Lincoln, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, that's probably my yeah. my most interesting and favorite car. Yeah, that, that old Lincoln from my dad donated its its rear brakes to my Mustang in the garage as well. And it, then it's, it donated all of its oil and brake fluid to our work parking lot as well. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> like, I actually had the security guards that like, come to my office and be like, I think some, someone's done something to your car. <laughs> someone's stolen like, the oh engine. Oh my God, the engine's gone. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh wow, I better, I better, you better give me a couple days to tow it away. And it sat there for like six months. So, <laughs> See, listeners should take note. This is how, this is how you build a car collection. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> you store Start random. Small derelict vehicles in your work parking lot or at your friend's house or on the street that's the it's part of the dt lifestyle really yeah but the, but don't put them in barns okay i'm sick no, of seeing these barn finds poop on them and yeah, cows bump chickens, into them. yeah it's just nasty stuff uh or if you do at least put a cover on it yeah yeah there you go yeah put, climate controlled barn maybe with yeah, no put animals it on jack sand so the tires don't go flat yeah normal things like that um uh nathan but before we go any farther um i gotta ask you uh favorite food uh, Rubio's Mexican food. Do yes. they have that in Japan? Unfortunately, they don't. The closest thing I can find in Japan is Chipotle, mm. which uh, is extremely overpriced. They have a couple of them in Tokyo, and it's like 16 bucks for a burrito. Wow. But um, it's still like the best 16 bucks I've ever spent. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, Nathan, if you were to eat Rubio's, how straight, like every day, how many days do you think you'd be able to go <laughs> eating Rubio's? 
I, I think my previous record was about three months. <laughs> and so. I, wait, okay. I have to interject here because Vince and I and Nathan were, were part of a Rubio's challenge. Where <laughs> That's we, right. We you ate, were part of that. I was part of it as well. We ate Rubio's every day, and I think I forfeited <laughs> yes. the first challenge. I, I gave up after three weeks or something. It was a long time. And I couldn't imagine how anyone could eat Rubio's longer than that because I, I like it, but you can't eat it every day. And that was just know. every weekday, right? Every weekday. Like weekends, yeah. Yeah. At and lunch. Then, but it was a team. It was a team, team challenge, I think, yeah. Vince, you thanked me for forfeiting because you didn't want to quit. Yeah, I was on Nathan's Nathan team, down. but I couldn't yeah. let Nathan down. Yeah. And so I told you, oh man, this Rubio's is so good. I can, I can go on for hours, you know, for years, and but Nathan secretly, will never stop. Secretly, you're secretly I was this. just, yeah, yeah I, I couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Too much Rubio's. And then, we by the way, to psych out the competition. By the way, right. Rubio's, if you're listening, uh, Mr. Ralph Rubio, uh, we'd love to have you as a sponsor. Daily Turismo Radio brought to you by Rubio's. <laughs> $2 fish tacos, $2 Tuesday. Just not those cheeseburger tacos, because those are the nastiest things I've ever eaten. Yeah, those were bad. Those. And then, so you then had a daily Rubio's challenge with another guy, right? That lasted for how long? I did, yeah. Another guy, Dave, that we worked with, uh, I did a challenge with him, and he was up for the task, and we went for, <laughs> I think it was about three months, <laughs> eating Rubio's every day. That's right, and that was That's weekends and everything. And in the end, we just had to do like a soft taco or a fish taco eat off <laughs> <laughs> to settle it finally, because no one to would finally settle it. No and one so, would cave, right? And so now, now when you come to town, Nathan, and, and I know the answer to this, but when you come to town uh, and you like call us up and say, "Hey, you know, let's go to eat," what, what do we do? Where do we go? Rubio's. <laughs> Every of single course. time, like, I usually hit it up on the way home from the airport. <laughs> When you're when you're not first stopping at our shop to help us build lemons cars right yeah, after you yeah, get off or the plane, stopping to weld a roll cage, yeah. or something. That's yes. what that's what dedicated car guys do. Yeah. Yes. All right, Nathan, dude, uh, this is good. We could just go on for hours like this, but uh, we got to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk technology corner. Okay, sounds good. You're listening to Daily Turismo Radio. And welcome back. Uh, our next segment is the Technology Corner, which is sort of like a, like a naughty spot for car geeks. And now it's time for Technology Corner. So, Chris, yes. take it away. This week on Technology Corner, we're going to be talking about engine swaps. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Everything in between. Why you should do an engine swap, why you shouldn't. Um, I just kind of like this, to open this for discussion. Is this anything like a like a wife swap, an engine swap? Um, no, once you swap engines, you probably don't want to go back. Okay, all right, Roger, okay. <laughs> really, once you swap wives, you probably don't want to go back either. Well, you know, this... this let's not go there. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> so I think you know there are there are good engine swaps, there are bad engine swaps, there are the ones where you look at them and go, "What kind of crack was this guy smoking? Why would he ever? Why would anyone ever do this?" Um, those are good for featuring on Daily Turismo, I think, just like a rotary engine and a Suzuki Samurai, for example. <laughs> yeah. It makes no sense or at all. Diesel Corvette. Yeah. Um, so the ugly engine swaps are definitely anything where you're downgrading, you're you're getting rid of a decent engine, you're putting something worse in the car. I would say. 
only do that if you're um, looking for novelty value or you know entertainment value or you want to get your terrible car featured on our website for some reason. <laughs> we'll do that um, even regardless. Just send us an email. Yeah, we'll you don't anything. have to do a terrible engine swap. Um, but so there are there are good and, and bad engine swaps, and you know I think when uh, when it's a good idea to do an engine swap is when you've got a car that maybe you've put a lot of money and time into that you maybe you're emotionally invested in it or you know you just really like the car the way it drives but maybe you're a little bit um you know you're not so excited about the power it makes or anything like that so you know you want to upgrade it and you could always rebuild an engine to a higher power you know higher power level you can do head work you can add a turbo a supercharger whatever but sometimes a swap is the easy way out i mean instead of building a high strung turbo four cylinder, put an LSV eight in it, right? I mean Okay, so so let's, let's punch button. over to let's punch over to Nathan. Nathan, any, any engine swaps yeah, recently? I've I've only done one engine swap and it was that one we, we mentioned where I swapped a five liter Ford into my seventy six Jeep C J five. Yeah. Um my motivation was mainly to get rid of the carburetor because carburetors kind of suck in general, but then when you take them off road they really suck especially (laughs) with changing elevation and hitting bumps and stuff so i i remember i installed it out in moab and was sitting there trying to get my flooded carburetor to start and that's when i decided i'm going to yank this thing out and put something fuel injected in so that that, that's another motivation to yeah certainly upgrade in engine management making it run better in different situations now now that being 76 in, in california did that engine have to meet uh, emissions regulations? It did. Unfortunately, if it was one year older, I would have been exempt. Um, but uh, 76 and newer had to have everything. So I had to swap all the cats and everything in. But uh, I did the inspection and it passed the first try. Yeah, so which, that's uh, that's certainly doable. And if you're a smart and um, well-equipped person, I think you know I've heard lots of success stories about legal engine swaps that way. Uh, certainly in other locales and with older cars, you don't have to worry about emission standards uh, making it smog legal. Um, but, I mean, regardless, I think uh, the bad engine swaps are the ones where you're doing something just because everyone else has done it, like putting a small block Chevy 350 into anything. RX-7. You know, into an RX-7 or... A thirty-two Ford or actually I, fifty-seven I, Chevy. I kind of want to. I kind of want to like a, a fuel injected like an LS series. In, yeah, in well, that's different. Someday, what so. I'm talking about is 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 the original, original small block Chevy. Like yeah. that's such an outdated engine. Unless unless you're building something that's period correct, don't don't use that. Right. I mean, there's so many much much better options these days. But if you're building fifty-seven but Chevy, you put an LS one in it anyway. So you should be right. putting an LS one or LS nine or whatever into it. Um, but I think. Uh, with an engine swap, if you're going to embark on this, it needs to be about the process more than the end product. You have to be excited about the process of doing the engine swap. Otherwise, you're going to get burned out and you're going to get tired of it and it's going to end up like a lot of other projects, you know, half-finished gathering dust in the back of your garage. So, I, I don't know, Chuck. Yeah. <laughs> it never happens. My projects always finish on time. Right, yeah, Nathan? You too? <laughs> I'm not saying... <laughs> yeah, I, I actually I, I was pretty motivated when I did mine, and I think I finished it in the same time it took D Wood to polish his headlights on the Supra. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> D Wood is our friend who had the like a show Dino Queen Supra and uh, happened to share the same garage with the Jeep when it was getting its engine swapped. 
Did you ever <laughs> did you ever end up getting that fifty five gallon drum of hundred and ten octane fuel for your garage that he wanted? No, I don't think he did. Actually, I think he wanted to put that in the shop and was looking for people who wanted to go in on a drum or race fuel. <laughs> it was just no, but I thought he wanted to store it in the garage of like a suburban house. Like the shop is one thing, <laughs> and the it's shop for people who don't know is like a a man cave that a few of us built together, where it's a it's a you know two thousand square foot industrial storage space. We have some daily lifts. turismo headquarters in other words. Sure, um, and that's where Chris has done a number of engine swaps and and uh, yeah. What would you what you got on the burner these days? Well, I've got. Uh, you know, a uh, 5.3 liter LS style engine into an E36, but you knew about that. Sure. Race sure. car. <laughs> uh, uh, 4.6 liter Ford three valve V8 from a 2005 Mustang is going to go into my Volvo 245 station wagon. And which, is a seven, which is 75, right? No, it's oh. uh, diesel. It's oh, diesel. That's right. Okay. All right. And, uh, you know, uh, later volvo turbo now, engine will it be any my, faster do you think uh it'll be a lot faster <laughs> okay all right. from 80 from maybe 70 horsepower at the wheels to 470 that's the type of change that we're talking about that's and respectable so, <laughs> now now uh okay that's, so you're gonna swap the engine are you swap other stuff as well uh turbo setup as well twin turbo setup sure but and then like transmission okay, and transmission. rear end and Okay. Basically, all the running gear. Yeah, brakes. All new car. Porsche Cayenne yeah, I was brakes. Say, you better put a new tranny in there because the last thing you want to do is blow a tranny. <laughs> Some of us would say that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Some of us would have no comment. You want, uh, it can happen at the drag strip. It can happen um, if you put too much power through it. <laughs> it's true. Um, but, you know, in any engine swap, I think there's going to be varying degrees of difficulty. Uh, and the tools and skills required are going to are going to vary. So if, if you're talking about putting a 4.6 liter Ford modular V8 into a Volvo 240, you're probably going to have to make some stuff. No, no, it just bolts right on in. your own. Do, right? do, don't worry about it. There's That's no like a kit weekend. for that in Summit or Jags, right? It just bolts in, right? <laughs> well, there are lots of lots of cars where they, it does just bolt in like an LS anything into a Nissan 240SX, for example. That's super common this, these days. You can buy a kit. You can buy the, yeah. the, the engine mounts. Engine mounts, headers, Sauce, yeah. transmission adapters, all that stuff. But now with this Volvo, you're gonna are you gonna fabricate all that stuff yourself? Yeah. I mean it's you know it's so it, you need welding seals, stuff like that. You, yeah, but the Volvos are like Legos. I mean you can oh. just grab a part from any car and it'll it'll fit, it'll snap right on. <laughs> I'm, and I'm everything's square too. Yeah, exactly. Just right angles and they're easy. Um have you ever driven any of Chris's Volvo, Nathan? I don't believe I have actually. Well, well you remember that Audi used to used to drive around. That was I think it was D Woods Audi. I do. It was D Woods mom's Audi. Yeah, <laughs> it had uh, two hundred sixty-eight thousand miles on it. Audi four thousand was it? Four thousand CS Lewis edition. C. C. Lewis. <laughs> Chronicles of Narnia edition. <laughs> well, that was a K-Jet mechanically injected car, right? Yep, yep, yeah, yeah. So mechanical. I just electronic. I just pulled a K-Jet engine out of my. Uh, 81 Volvo 240. So uh, I've got lots of hatred for it. No, not really. I, I have respect for it because it's a kind of a cool system, but it always just worked. And I want to, you know, play around with it and, and tune it. And KJet's not really the, the most conducive to that. So I'm putting a modern, you know, fuel injected later Volvo engine into that car. Uh, more of a mild swap that does just bolt right in. But so if you keep it manufacturer specific, does that does that keep it more legit? Does that help I, you with your resale? That helps with a lot of brands. I mean, uh, certainly there's BMW, BMW is a brand like that. Volvo is a brand like that. Where 
I don't know about resale necessarily, maybe, but where you can mix and match parts from later cars and they will literally just bolt right into an older chassis or a different model where they sit, shared the same drivetrain architectures. So there, you know, if you do your research, you can, you can do an OE engine swap where there's no kit available. Uh, but everything literally does just bolt together if you know what you're doing. Um, engine management. I think Nathan hit on that a little bit with the carb to EFI swap. There's varying degrees there. Uh, personally, I'm a fan of, you know, standalone Mega Squirt or AEM or Motec. I mean, you, any budget you can find a standalone engine management. But that for a car guy, yeah, that yeah. really lets you get you know into the details of tuning. It also means you have you have to understand the details of tuning. So sure, it's a whole new level of but that's the fun, right? Yeah, sure. For uh, for for people like <laughs> us, that's the fun. Yeah, if, it's true. If if your idea is just to oh, I want a little bit more power and I want to drive this around on Sundays, then maybe you want to stick with the stock ECU or, or a carburetor. I don't know. You should probably just go buy a Kia or go buy a Kia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, I think to wrap up the engine swap, uh, discussion, uh, engine swaps are more of a hobby activity, but you know, we heartily encourage that. And, uh, you know, we're, we're all car guys. We're all gearheads here. And if you want to write Write to us about your engine swaps, <laughs> except for producer Ben. He's a he's an audio guy. He's shaking his head. He's but, but please, do, you know, tell us about about your engine swaps. We have a reader ride section on dailyturismo.com. We'd love to hear about kooky engine swaps. If you're selling a car, a, a you know rotary engine, Lincoln Mark Eight, for example, <laughs> ben, <laughs> please sell it on Daily Turismo. No one no one will buy it. Um, the more rotors, the better. On that note, I think I think we should go to the 10 second car review where. I don't know if uh, if Nathan has heard this or is familiar with this concept. I'm familiar. Or not. Okay. Nathan's a huge fan of of, of just radios and talk, and talk radio. shows. In fact, back when um, we used to work together uh, in, in in the United States, um, when we would go on like a a short drive to like lunch, right, which would be like two blocks away, he would like bust on the talk radio like a podcast, and it's and, like, dude, we're just like it's the two of us in the car, and it's like <laughs> how I listen right? to some guy like we can just talk for a minute, and you're like, oh, I, I got to listen to this. <laughs> I think Nathan yeah, I'm, should. I'm a little bit obsessed and addicted to talk radio. I admit. I, th- I thought Vince was just boring. That's why you put that <laughs> yeah. on. Well, he did it to everybody, not just Vince. <laughs> if people ask me what's my favorite song or musician, I say I exclusively listen to talk radio. <laughs> <laughs> Can you do oh, your... wow. Yeah, I was Wow. We need your Tom Likas impressions. Cause that, that's, it's, 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 it's always good stuff. Bring, bring us in with the Tom Likas intro. Okay, thank you for tuning in to the Tom Likas show. This is where we talk about the issues you really care about. Different kind <laughs> of radio talk show. One that is not hosted by a right-wing wacko or a convicted felon. No. Vince is your host. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. For oh that. man, yes. That's, I think on the subject stuff. of talk radio, Nathan yeah. is definitely the expert in this. Yeah. In this so, uh, <laughs> what's okay? All right. So, anyway, ten second car reviews. So, uh, okay. So it's a rapid fire um, car review. Um, review if you make model trim of a particular model. You as the guest, Nathan, we'll start with you, and maybe we'll, we'll see what Seaflo has to say about some of these. Um, it doesn't have to be 10 seconds. If it takes longer, no big deal. But if you pause on it, we're just going to go on to the next one. Um, so I'm going to get you kicked off, and I'm going to throw you a softball because I like you. Uh, Ford's Bronco. 
Ford Bronco, and we're talking full-size original. Full-size, OG. Full-size original. Okay, well, that was my first car. It's uh, it's awesome. It's a good all-around off-road machine, highly modifiable. I like it. All right. Removable top, too, right? Removable okay, top. Even yeah. on the later full-size Broncos. Ooh, that's good to know. Trivia. Okay. All right, so next car. Mitsubishi, Topo, BJ. Okay, this is probably the worst. You know, no one's probably heard of this, but this is a K car here in Japan, and it's probably the ugliest K car I've ever seen, or close <laughs> to the ugliest car I've ever seen. And it's literally... It looks like it has a, a rowboat upside down on the roof of the car. <laughs> and it's for literally additional headroom. called the BJ. That's the name of the car. It, it has a cool name. Yeah, <laughs> the, the car itself is really ugly. Wait, so uglier than a Pontiac Aztec. Yes. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Wowee, wow. as Tom Likas would say. Once you get married, does the BJ stop working? <laughs> the car just sits in the driveway. It doesn't do anything anymore. Okay, moving along. Suzuki's Alto, the RSX version. Okay, that is my current daily driver, and uh, that's a badass car. It's fun. It's turbocharged, 64 horsepower, which is the maximum legally allowed in Japan in a K car. Suspension's a little bit stiff, so it hurts your back, but uh, it's a fun, sporty little 1,400-pound car. It probably makes more than 64 horsepower in reality, right? Uh, it, it might, yeah. J- Japan is kind of like that, where they have a legal limit, and so that's what they that's what they, that's publish, what they right? publicize, but yeah. uh, in, in many cases, they do go over it. So I haven't had a m- mine on a dyno, but what are you might waiting be a little for? more than that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Suzuki Alto, yeah, cool car. Um, so the next one, uh, next one's a fun one. Uh, we got a, a Rubio's food truck. Doesn't exist. <laughs> Nathan would know. If, if it did, I would own it. <laughs> would it come with the people inside that would make the food constantly, and they you just never let them out? <laughs> I guess that's a yes. That's yeah. a yes. That's a yes. Okay. Okay. Next That's car. That's Donald Trump's version yeah. with, the, with the little Mexicans inside. Right. Okay. <laughs> Ford Expedition. Ford Expedition. That was my last car I had before I moved to Japan. It's a good car. Fuel mileage is terrible, but uh, <laughs> it's very comfortable. Leather, Eddie Bauer edition, which Chris is a fan of. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I like it. Who doesn't like Eddie Bauer in a car, right? <laughs> um, okay. Uh, BMW. Five series, five forty. Five series. Oh, that that is a great lemons car right there. What you generation? Can, uh, take a sawzall to it, pull about fifteen hundred pounds of weight out of it, put a roll cage in. Stop it! I think our our guy's being faded away here. Okay, there you go. All right, next car. Go ahead. <laughs> next car. Um, all right. So uh, the 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 last car in our in our ten second car review is um, anything with a black iron pipe roll cage. Ooh, I'm a big fan of this. Yeah, that's um, that's how we got the Black Iron Racing name for our team. Is the first roll cage we built was actually made from Schedule 40 Black Iron <laughs> pipe that we bent with uh, my Harbor Freight Harbor Freight pipe bender. Okay, now for everyone who who has any idea of what a roll cage is, they're gonna be terrified of this concept. But I was actually there. Okay, so but I'm gonna ask you to to tell us, Nathan, how do you bend a piece of black iron pipe without it just sort of bending cracking. like cracking well not cracking but just folding over and odd with a harbor freight a hydraulic press is not designed to bend like a like a tube bender it, it just kind of crushes 
Right. <laughs> well, not exactly. So th- there is a little bit of a trick to it. Yeah, it's not like a nice mandrel bender where it, it draws the, the bender around the tube. But, um, yeah, there's a trick to it. And if you uh, pack the pipe with sand before you bend it and you don't allow it to compress, then you can actually get a fairly decent bend out of uh, like a $100 Harbor Freight uh, pipe bender. Now, is this a decent enough bend to pass tech at a couple 24-hour of Lemons events? Uh, apparently it is because we passed it twice, yes. <laughs> Not anymore. I think their lawyers have uh, stepped in and prevented so, that. So that black iron pipe roll cage car actually won the the second or third 24-hour of Lemons race. Uh, it did. I believe it was, the, it was our second. It was I our think second it was race. the second race. Yeah. Um, and that... Uh, yeah, the, the the funny thing is that you know when we were selling that car, we're, we had to sort of disclose to people that, hey, this thing has a, a black iron pipe roll cage, and yeah. everyone says, you know, what's that? And we actually found online there was one like racing series in some podunk town like Alabama that allowed black iron pipe roll cages in their spec for like the circle track, like <laughs> Friday night, you know, Friday night inline six races. That's awesome. And so we we referenced that. We said this so, is legit. Yeah, it's legit. Look at these guys. Look what they're doing. Yeah, well, I, I didn't want to go out and buy a $500 pipe bender for a $500 race car. And so I had that uh, hydraulic pipe bender from building bumpers for uh, for my Bronco since high school. So <laughs> I figured we had it, might as well use it. We could make a roll cage work. <laughs> uh, and, and yeah, that was... Uh... It, it was it was something else, Nathan. That was like an incredible piece of work. You're a real uh, pioneer. A real pioneer in black iron pipe <laughs> pipe roll cage work. Um, so uh, we're gonna take a little break um, and um, enjoy the break music, and we'll be right back. To Daily Turismo Radio. Welcome back to the Daily Turismo Radio Show. Time for the segment where we answer your questions. Your questions. Listener questions. That's On right. the radio. On the radio, yes. Sorry, I'm, I've been hanging out with uh, Nathan too much, even though it's oh, via Skype. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> the Lycus the starts coming out. Lycus is strong those, with this one. All those, we, used to go, we used to go mountain biking, and it was this like 15-minute ride up to the top of the hill to, to, to start the mountain bike ride in, yeah. in Nathan's ex- ex- expedition. And it was just always like us because it was like the mountain bike ride started at like 5.15 and it was like us came out at 5. And I'd listen to that thing. And I'd listen to Nathan. What was that commercial, the, the mattress commercial? <laughs> oh, that was the... Um, who, who was what that? was it? Sit and Sleep. Sit, Sit and sleep. sleep. Where they had mattresses and they had like Simmons, Sealy, Serta, Spring Air, Stearns & Foster, Merrillix, Tempur-Pedic, Chadman Wells, and Heirloom. <laughs> Are you sure there weren't any others? <laughs> when, was remember that? when was the last Nature's time rest. that you heard that commercial? Uh, I don't know, probably seven, seven, eight years ago. <laughs> you still remember every mattress. That's incredible. You're gonna um, when we do have sponsor bits, you're you're gonna do them for us. Yeah. Uh, if we ever have sponsors. So, 
Yeah, voiceover. Get a mattress sponsor. <laughs> We're just going to start sponsoring mattresses for fun. Um, so, listener uh, questions. Listener questions. Uh, the first listener question comes from Hans Blogger, who writes: I understand that a driving license in Japan is complicated. Uh, how Obtaining does it work? a driver's license in Japan. I don't know. That's, I'm just reading what he said. Oh, okay. I understand that a driving license in Japan is complicated. How does it work? So I honestly don't know. So I'm going to pass it over to Nathan. Yeah, so it is it is a little bit complicated, but it, it depends on what country you're coming from. Some countries, they have uh, S- a policy where they will just accept your foreign license and they will give you a Japanese license. But unfortunately, America is not one of those countries. So you actually have to take the driving test here. And they do have two different licenses, They depending on transmission. So they have an automatic and a manual transmission license. And of course, if you have a manual license, you can drive an automatic. But if you have an automatic license, you can't drive a manual. Now, now, can people tell from the outside of your car what kind of license you have? No, I think not unless you get pulled over and, 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 a, and a cop asks to see your license. So. Well, but, but I thought there was a, a um, some kind of sticker that went on like a, a, a learner's permit license in Japan. Is that not true? The, the, the punk kids in L.A. put them on their cars. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's little stickers on the back windows, and there's like a little uh, green and yellow one if you're a young driver. So if the color of your license is green, you're supposed to have that sticker in your window. And then there's one for old people, too, that's like <laughs> yellow and orange. Okay. And you're supposed to have that on your, on your car out. if you're too old. <laughs> <laughs> you're still allowed to drive. You just have to warn others. Still warn right? others. Yeah, yeah, you are. And actually, my... My wife's grandfather is 93 years old, and he still has a license. With a sticker wow. on his car. Wow. I'm sure. With a sticker on his car. So he doesn't drive a lot, he mostly puts the just green, a day in short distances. He probably puts the green kid sticker drive. on there to be a rebel. <laughs> Nathan, did, did you pass your uh, driver's test the first time over there? I, I didn't. I, uh-huh. I had to take it twice. Um, they're, they're quite difficult. I only passed it the second time because I took a school in between there. Is, is, it, the driving is it the written part's hard? The written part's easy. It's like 10 questions, multiple choice. And, it's, and it's quite easy in English? If, if you've read the book. But uh, the driving part is very difficult. They're looking for very specific things. When you come up to a stoplight, you have to stop 0.5 meters behind the line, and you have to look right, left, and then back over your shoulder for a bicycle before you make a turn. And it's very specific, and if you miss like two or three of these things, then you don't get your license. And, and some people take like 10 or 15 times to pass and, and as an american when they said 0.5 meters you assume that was like 400 feet <laughs> I, I, no we, we just think in terms of football field so i'm like right. okay in terms of football field that's like one one hundredth of a football field right and <laughs> and you're like, you're like that's you you also you're driving some tiny little car as well and you're not used to the the sort of the land yachts that we have here too so yeah that's that's true the, the small car although it makes it easier to judge distances in front of you but uh, you, you almost need it on the roads here. The roads, some of the roads are really narrow here. And uh, with a K car, you have an advantage because you can kind of go around people when they're turning. Um, whereas with a full-size car, you can't squeak through on the little roads. Nice, nice. Squeaking through. So you drive like a car like it's a motorcycle on the road. Kind of, that, yeah. That's, that's good. It's good K cars. Um, okay, excellent. More like a go-kart, I'd say. More like a go-kart. All right, I think we've, we've done a, a fantastic job of answering that, that question. Uh, the next question uh, comes from uh, K2 Mystery Car, who asks, uh, do any of you DT guys ride on two wheels? And the answer is, um, for me at least, is uh, no, I, I did learn how to do it 
just just kind of for fun. I taught myself on a bike that was that was uh out at the a shop for a while. Motorcycle, motorcycle. yeah. Yep. And um and then Terrified. I rode uh this one guy's crazy bike around one time just to kind of prove I could because it was in our in our his this guy uh, uh we'll call him LT3K. His uh, his mom was coming to town. And he's like I don't know, he's got to be like pushing forty, and he asked me to to store his like. Uh, I forget if it's the uh, Yamaha FC1. That's right. It's like it's like a super bike, kind of upright super bike in my garage. And I was like, sure, so but I get to ride find it. Find out about it. Yeah. So his mom, forty-year-old man, right? right. <laughs> and, um, and I said sure, and so I left it in my garage, and I rode around like a a, a block or two yeah. in my neighborhood just to prove that I could do it. So and I did it without dying. I can answer that I I yes I have and and continue to ride on two wheels. You probably have uh, a license for it. I do have a motorcycle yeah, license important. in California. Um, I have a 65 Honda Superhawk, which is a 305 CC quote unquote sport bike. I think it was actually the last vehicle that Soichiro Honda was, was personally involved in and designed himself. So that's kind of, oh, yeah. a, a he cool probably thing, assembled yeah. your actual bike Yeah, <laughs> with his teeth. Mine's been apart for a long time. Um, but I'm kind of hot riding it and, and it's, it's going back together slowly, but I had a Suzuki SV650 for a couple of years as a commuter bike, uh, which was great because it was cheap. It made a lot of torque. It, you Probably know, has more horsepower well. than Nathan's K-Car. 75 horsepower. <laughs> so yes, V-twin. Um, and sorry, a Moto Compo. I have a Moto Compo, which is a very rare JDM only uh, two-stroke Honda fold-up yeah. bike. And you don't have a Honda City Mini. I don't have the Honda <sighs> City, but... The Moto Compa was sold with the Honda City, and it came in the back of the car. And you, so you park your Honda City K car, and then you take the Moto Compa out and unfold it and ride away, you know, to where you can't drive your car. So I have one of those um, that followed me home somehow. Um, and I've done a lot of dirt biking and stuff. So I don't, Nathan, are you a, a two wheel rider aficionado yeah, at all? Yeah, I am. I've I started out with dirt bikes and in maybe around 13 14 years old and i've had motorcycles pretty much ever since then uh a couple of street bikes i oh, yeah, had a couple of sport bikes you had that uh, chopper what's that you had that chopper for a while that's true i had a chopper it was uh not quite a chopper but it was an intruder 1400 v-twin <laughs> suzuki <laughs> yeah you called it a chopper though right <laughs> it, it i did it was it was kind <laughs> of my chopper it backfired was that the one had, that you had some timing or carburation problems didn't you build it out of two different bikes no, it was one bike, but I, I did get a parts bike with it, I think which was not the it into same two. bike. <laughs> it was, it was, like it was another intruder, but it was a different size, like a 700. Oh, okay. not really very useful then. Anyway, so that's the, the answer to that question. Yes. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> that was good. Uh, that was good I think there might have been one more question. There was one more question uh, that we're going to touch on today. Uh, an anonymous uh, commenter, Ooh. which, you know, uh, whatever that means. Um, he says, where did the name Daily Turismo come from? That's a good question. Uh, I wonder if anybody in this room knows. Um, I don't. You know, Nathan, Nathan right. do you know? I have no idea, <laughs> but I'm curious as well. Um, so it was a name that that I came up with, um, sort of on a, um, uh, I don't know, on, on a, a whim. whim. It was yeah. it was something that, that I did f- for the website when I was when I first created it. It was uh, it needed to have a name that that conveyed okay the message that we we're going to have daily content and it was just going to be a, a repository for every every once in a while put something up. Um, and then Turismo is just you know um, it's a race right it's it's driving yeah. it's it's. Um, uh, driving with fun. some some verve, right? Yeah, and and again, it's not uh, the website is not supposed to be a, a place f- to find barn finds or to find um, no new cars. It's somewhere in the middle, right. and maybe you'll see a barn find, maybe you'll see a new car on it. But in the end, it's a place to find um, 
interesting fun cars yeah it's something that you could yeah. drive every day but it's not just a toyota corolla that you bought right it's a toyota corolla with a rotary swap yeah yeah an old stuff. 70s yeah. rear drive yeah, a peanut yeah <laughs> okay with that note uh we're gonna head into the final lap This is the final lap on Daily Turismo Radio. Hi, Daily Turismo Radio listeners. Uh, for today's final lap, we're going to talk about tires. And specifically, uh, how, do you, how do you pick your tires? How do you decide? There's, there's millions of tires available for, for your vehicle uh, at any given time. Um, how do you find them? And what are the right ones to use for your driving purposes? Chris is smiling over there, well, so I'm going to go to him first. I think Vince finds his tires in the dumpster. <laughs> <laughs> we all know that, so let's just get that out of the way. Because the depreciation I mean, on he's tires is unbelievable. He's selling the Draken with like okay. four different types okay. of tires on it. True story. So. I, I did actually put used tires on a car um, that a friend was throwing away. Because there were, there were um, autocross tires. Oh, yeah. My buddy Jim, he had this set of tires. And I was selling the car. And I told the guy I was selling it. I said, okay, look, the tires on it are new. If you want this price, he's offering me a lower price. You can have the lower price, but I'm going to swap these older tires on it. And he yeah. said, okay, no problem. <laughs> so, so you gave him uh, so I gave like the old tires. I, autocross tires. Correct, yes. Yeah. And I put the new tires on my other car. Good job. That was... So how do you <laughs> actually choose tires? I mean, uh, I like Tire Rack because you can you can review lots of different makes and models of tire uh very easily you can look at you know specs all day long like weight and tread wear and diameter and all that stuff so i, I get into the the mechanics of it but so but, but uh, like what when, when, in in those mechanics what are you looking for in a tire for, i'm looking for, for for your for your daily driver for a daily driver a daily turismo type driver i'm looking mm -hmm. for reasonable tread wear like 190 for example mm -hmm. um i'm looking for something that's grippy but you do all season or summer only no so i mean in southern california you don't need all season tires i do have a you know a four-wheel drive truck that has all-terrain tires on it so i don't need all season tires on other cars so i just look for the cheapest grippiest and uh cheapest tires i can find that are grippy <laughs> <laughs> and that usually ends up being a falcon tire uh just oh, a shout yes. out to them but uh how do you choose tires vince what do you do what's your method uh, well, so uh, again, other than finding them in the dumpster, um, I'm, I'm a big fan of looking at, uh, obviously treadwear, summer tires, right? All my cars, um, un unless it's something like the Roadmaster, in which case you just want whatever fits and whatever's comfortable and cheap. Low noise. Low yeah. noise. Uh, the For a cruiser. Right. And so the other thing to look at is, um, just the general, um, uh, reviews on those tires. You can get an idea from other people. You, you can know. actually buy tires on Amazon as well. I never bought tires on Amazon. You can get really good prices on Amazon.com for your tires. Maybe uh, our Northwest friends may wow. not like that. But <laughs> on the, we didn't really have a whole lot of time to go into tires there, but um, it is time to end the show. And we'd like to thank our special guest, Nathan, who who uh, joined us all the way from Japan. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It was uh, a lot of fun. You yeah. bet, buddy. Yeah. Nathan, we'll, we'll see you when you're in town and we'll get some Rubios with you. Yep, looking so, forward to being back. Thanks and, for the uh, show. If you can import your K cars to the U.S. when you come back, we'll sell them for you on Daily Turismo. Okay, sounds good. Excellent. And so finally, uh, I'd like to thank our producer, Ben, for being in the show. He's a good guy. And uh, keep on wrenching. 
been listening to Daily Turismo Radio. You can follow the show on Facebook at Facebook forward slash Daily Turismo and on Twitter at Daily Turismo. Use the hashtag DT Radio. 